Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. All right, we are in Matthew 5, Ephesians 2, Luke 6. I'm going to try to teach, even though some of you don't like my shirt. Um, I'm going to move on with that. I won't continue to bring it up at least six more times. Matthew 5, Ephesians 2, Luke chapter 6. Would you go to me to the Lord in prayer? Father, we are so thankful that you've given us your word so that we might be able to learn and live. And today, especially, as we tackle some of these things that we've come to be known as the Beatitudes, I pray that it would penetrate our hearts because of the human condition, because we're surrounded by humanity, and give us your grace to receive this blessing of mercy. Jesus' name, amen. It's Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 7 as we continue our series through the hard sayings of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, say it with me, obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I've got several questions for you. The first one is this. Has anyone ever showed you compassion? When you were like absolutely down and out. Like they showed up for you in a big way. Anyone ever, anyone ever had compassion showed on them? Okay, now I know every single one of you should have your hand raised if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Because we were down and out and his mercy fell upon us. I'm asking again, has anyone ever had anyone show compassion on you that is down and out? Amen. Every believer raises their hand. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's take a look at this incredible mercy of God. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. But God, who is rich, in other words, he doesn't run out of mercy, who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. In other words, there was no way for us to get to God. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Stop there if you would. But God, who is rich in mercy, he doesn't run out of it so much so, we're saved. He showed great compassion on us when we could do nothing to get to heaven, Jesus shows up. And he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. But my question, I now go back, has anyone been like Jesus to you? They're a believer, and you're down and out, and they showed compassion on you? Well, I've had it happen to me. We were living in Montana. 
And while we were living there, we were, well, we had seven children. I was on a missionary pastor kind of salary. And let me just say it like this. We qualified for every government program that they offer to those that are below poverty. We qual- In fact, so much so, the state of Montana sent people our house just to make sure we were okay. Like, we were not taking a lot, but they were simply coming going, listen, there's more available for you because you're, someone actually said it, so poor. Wow. Well, never forget, Andre and I were driving home from church one day in Montana. It was in the middle of the winter, and someone had warned us about black ice. But I need to remind you of something. I'm from the Bahamas. I don't know what black ice is, and I don't know what you do when you see black ice. We don't have ice on our roads in the Bahamas. So when I hit the black ice and started sliding, I did what every Bahamian would do. I hit the brakes. Well, that kept me sliding more, so much so that me and my entire family on our way home from church went over a 40-foot cliff. We spun one and a half times. All of our windows were blown out. As we were going over the cliff, I screamed out loud, we're all going to die. I literally said that. My wife screams out loud, Lord Jesus, protect us by the power of your name. You don't know how grateful I am that Jesus listened to Andrea's prayer and not mine. She's so much more faithful than I am. True story. I literally said to everyone, we're all going to die. Now, we all lived thankful for my wife's prayer. But we didn't have a car. What were we going to do? And then we got a phone call. Hey, The Lord told us to give you our car. They lived in Wyoming. I told them, don't do it. Blue collar. Sorry for the expression, but they're just a working family. And God spoke to them, giving car, and said, don't do it. You guys need the car. Without any other hesitation, the next day they got in their car, they drove from Wyoming to Montana in two cars, left their car at my house, and drove away, left the keys in it. They wouldn't let me say no. Now, this was not a paid-off car. This was not wealthy people. They were not giving out of their wealth financially. They were giving out of their richness in mercy. They saw our condition. They still made payments on the car. And they chose to have mercy on us, and they blessed us with a car to get from place to place in the same way. Jesus has blessed us with mercy so that we can get from place to place in life. That's why he blessed us with it. Let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever been wronged? Raise your hand. Have you ever been wronged? Raise your hand. Okay, pretty much all of you, okay? Now, I know what's going through your mind, okay? All of a sudden, you've thought of the person that's wronged you, and you're already mad. You're already angry. If you've driven on the 405, you've been wronged, okay? I mean, like, you just can't escape being wronged if you're human. But I've got another question. How many of you have wronged somebody? Go ahead, raise your hand. You were honest with the first question. How many have wronged somebody? Oh, great. We've got a lot of honest. The nine o'clockers were not as honest as you. (laughs) Now, 
did the same mad, angry feelings come up when you thought about how you wronged someone? It's funny, isn't it? As soon as I say, have you been wronged, you think of Aunt Sally. Now, if you have an Aunt Sally, I'm sorry. And what she did to you last Christmas. But you never thought what you did to Cousin Johnny two Christmases ago. It's amazing when I ask these questions, the blessing of mercy is an essential element for us to be able to navigate through the plight of humanity. That's why Jesus blesses with us, because he said, offenses are going to come. And I want you to understand something. The blessing of mercy is heaven's provision. The blessing of mercy is heaven's provision for the peace that can be found in our relationships on earth as it is in heaven with God through Christ Jesus. I want you to catch that so much so. I'm going to give you a verse in Romans chapter 5. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this verse down. It's Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God. Because of his merciful act of dying on the cross and rising from the grave, we can be saved. You see, we were desperate, destitute, as the first beatitude tells us, poor in spirit. We were destitute, we were without hope. And then we realized at the hearing of the gospel that we're sinners. So we began to mourn over our sin as the second beatitude at salvation. We were meek and lowered ourselves and realized that Jesus is the only one who can save. And now you're in church hungering and thirsting for righteousness so that Jesus Christ can fill you. You see, while each of these beatitudes can stand alone as a truth, They're all interconnected with each other and build off of each other to this place where Jesus is blessing us with mercy. And mercy? Mercy is a life that you can obtain to. It's a life of peace that's available to us with others as the blessing of Jesus. Let me take it a step further you can write it in your notes. It'll be on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Once again, the life of peace is available to us with this blessing of mercy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul is writing on behalf of the Holy Spirit, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of some comfort. Thank you, South Bay the God of all comfort. There's not one bit of comfort that he leaves out. And he says he's the father of mercy. Now let me tell you what that means. When Paul is writing the father of mercy, what he's saying is mercy originates and is founded in God. He's the only one that can show us what mercy is because he's the one who invented it. Let me give you a story, and then we'll talk about a couple of attributes of the mercy of God. It's found in Exodus chapter 33. You don't need to turn there. It's found in Exodus chapter 33. You'll remember the story. Moses comes down from the mountain, and when he comes down from the mountain, he sees the children of Israel, and you know what they're doing? 
If you saw the movie Avatar, they're having a full-on Avatar moment. Do you remember when they were around the tree and they're going, hey, 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 and they're like worshiping this tree? And you're like, what are you doing worshiping a tree? Well, he comes down. They're having a full-on golden calf moment. They're bowing down to an idol that they made. God sees the whole thing and he says, I'm not going with you. But what he's really doing is he's going to display to Moses who he is. So he says, I'm not going with you. Moses goes, well, I'm not going if you're not going. I mean, you, would you bring us out here to die? So God says, okay, now that we're talking, we're going to have devotions tomorrow morning. So I want you to bring your stone tablet. They didn't have little papyrus Bibles at that time, okay? So he goes, I want you to bring your stone tablets. I want you to climb up this mountain. And I want to share something about myself with you. And I want you to understand something about me. He says this to Moses. I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord God. Merciful and gracious. Let me tell you what he's telling Moses. Hey, Moses, I know that the children of Israel made that mistake, but I'm merciful. And God defines himself as merciful through the mistake of the Israelites. What hope for us? How many of you made a mistake this week? How many of you made a mistake this morning? How many of you made a mistake, now don't raise your hands, with your spouse as you were driving in? Aren't you so grateful for the mercy of God? Well, there's a few things about the mercy of God that we need to understand. The first one, you'll see it on the screen. Mercy is the basis of his covenant relationship with Israel. It's the basis of his relationship with Israel. Uh, Let me explain. It's Isaiah chapter 63. You'll see it on the screen. Isaiah 63, verse 7. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on uh, on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people. What Isaiah is saying is, God established a relationship with the children of Israel based on his mercy. Let me tell you why. He knew that Israel was going to mess up. He knew it. He went into relationship on the foundation of his mercy because he knew that they would need it. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was slain since the foundation of the world. God entered into relationship with man knowing that he would have the need for mercy because he's merciful. It defines him. He desired to reveal this character about himself to you and I. Do you think that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when Adam and Eve sinned, were up in the heaven going... Oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? I mean, I made this perfect garden. I did this incredible thing for them. I mean, we got to come up with a new plan because what are we going to do? They never had that conversation because Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan was always to reveal his mercy in Jesus Christ. He went into relationship with us, 
knowing our frame, knowing that we would need mercy. Now, at this point, what we need to do is recognize that we are partakers of the divine nature. Now, let me express it. You'll see it in Romans chapter 11, verse 32. Now, look at the screen. You'll see Romans eleven thirty-two. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on some. On all. So he allowed disobedience so that he could display his mercy and we are partakers of that divine nature. So he said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You see, it's why Jesus, he encourages us to be merciful. Go with me to Luke chapter 6. You'll see my point. Luke chapter 6. Now remember, God is merciful. He goes into relationship with man based on his mercy. And we're partakers of the divine nature. So Jesus encourages the church and he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, speaking to the church, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And for him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away from your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Now, I don't know if your skin is crawling right now thinking of the person that you need to be merciful towards. In verse 32, we're not done. But if you love those speaking to the church who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do not, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your return will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Listen to the definition of mercy. He now says, therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. He defines mercy as being kind to the unthankful and evil, and then he implores us to be just like our Heavenly Father. Let me tell you what Jesus knows. He knows in this life you're going to have enemies. Can I let you know something? People are not perfect. So don't expect them to be. Expect in your relationships to provide mercy. And let me explain why. It protects you. I'll read it for you. It's Proverbs chapter 11. You can write it in your notes. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Do you realize that you're protecting yourself when you choose to show mercy and Jesus is blessing us with mercy because he wants to protect you from bitterness. He wants to protect you from anger and resentment. It's a recognition that we've got peace with God and we should desire to give that peace to others. Church, you know the story of the unmerciful servant. You remember? 
Oh, he was forgiven of five million dollars by the master. But when he saw his friend that owed him a dollar, he beat him and said, give me my dollar. When the master heard, after the man was forgiven of such a debt, he grabbed the guy, rebuked him, and he sent him, the word of God says in Matthew 18, to the torturers. And you know why Jesus uses that word? Because when you're cruel instead of merciful, like the proverb says, you're actually torturing yourself more than the other person. You're actually torturing yourself. You all know that I was a missionary in Liberia with my wife and family for many years. And we lived there during a war. When war, the best way to describe it is loss. You lose everything. And the women had lost all of their clothes. I mean, literally, they were wearing the same thing over and over again. So when Andrea would wash her clothes, we didn't have running water or electricity. When she'd wash her clothes, she would hang them on the line. But as they were drying, the women thought it was Macy's, and they would just walk right by, steal a blouse, and keep going. (laughs) One day, I'm teaching in church. I'm teaching in church, and I'm sure I was teaching on the love of God. This woman walks in wearing Andrea's skirt. I was enraged. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. So Andrea walks up to her after church. Now, if you know my wife, she's the most compassionate, kind thing. And she walked up so confidently, I thought she was about to give it to her. So I walked behind her. I'm like, you go get her, girl. (laughs) She looks at the woman and she goes, I have the perfect blouse to match that skirt. Okay, I'm not ready for you to clap yet. Because emotionally, I was not there. I was like, I can't believe you just did that. The woman followed Andrea home. They walked home together. Andrea went in her closet, gave her blouse to the woman, and the woman that stole the skirt is now stealing the blouse, in my perspective, and is walking away with it. So I call Andrea into the room, and we're about to have strong fellowship. Because you know, Christians, we don't fight. As couples, married couples, we don't fight. We have strong fellowship. We never gossip. We share. So I am in the room with Andre. I go, what were you thinking? I can't believe that you just let that woman walk out. We're here as missionaries. We're to tell them the truth. So Andre looked at me and she goes, what part of when they take your cloak, give them your tunic, don't you understand? <laughs> mm. She got me. Because she got Mercy. She went into relationship with humanity expecting them to wrong her. And she was free to give mercy. You see, I also need to express something else about God's mercy. God had built such a relationship of mercy with the children of Israel that they knew, and no matter what, they could come to him and plead for mercy through their repentance. They knew because God had displayed himself as so merciful. Now let me explain. Jeremiah, writing the rebellious house of Israel, in his 60 years of ministry, we don't know of one convert that came forward and gave their life to God. Jeremiah, he was so expectant of God's mercy, he writes this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, to the nation that refused to repent, he says this, Through the Lord's mercies were not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, 
They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you are thankful that you woke up this morning after yesterday that God's mercy was new for you today? In other words, no matter what you did yesterday, when we confess our sin, he'll be faithful and just today to forgive us because his mercy is who he is. It's why David would write, his mercy endures forever. No matter you go to the highest mountain, the lowest valley, no matter how far you run to the east or to the west, you will run straight into his mercy. But does his mercy make you mad? Especially with your enemy. You want mercy, but you want to give it. Well, we've got to be careful we're not like the prophet Jonah. Do you remember what he did? I'm not going to Assyria. Those people are wicked. He got on a boat and was going the other way. What did God do? Swallowed him up with a whale and burped him out of on the beach. What an awesome experience. I can just imagine being inside that whale. It was terrifying. And he pleaded for his life. And God had mercy on him, spit him up on the beach, and now he's walking to Nineveh, the nation of Assyria, and he preaches, repent, and they all repent. And guess what Jonah does? He gets mad. I, this is why I didn't want to come, God. I knew you would be merciful, and these people need to die. They need to pay for their sins. The Assyrians were wicked. Do you know that they invented torture? Do you know that the, the Assyrians invented the cross? The Romans just perfected it. And I'm not going to go into all that they did. But Jonah wanted them dead, not forgiven. And we've got to be careful that we're not like Jonah, especially his parents. You see, we have to expect our kids to mess up. So like God, we need to build into them a testimony of mercy. So that when they do mess up, now I got nine children, and I met Lisa last service, she's got eight. And I said, God bless you, someone who understands my pain. I got nine kids. And we wanted to pour into our kids the opportunity of a testimony of mercy so that when, not if, they messed up, they knew they could come to mom and dad. That's God. When God is merciful and he shows himself to be mercy, we know that we can run to him no matter what we've done. Listen, spouse, it's important that we build into our spouses that we're merciful so that when you have strong fellowship, I know you don't fight Calvary Chapel Day, but when you are driving home from church today and have a little bit of confusion, your spouse knows that you're merciful. But you know what I love about God? God doesn't stop with just a testimony of mercy. In this next characteristic, you're going to see something about God that will blow your mind. It'll be on the screen. Not only does he have a testimony, he person, persistently pursues people who have a broken relationship with him because of his mercy. He persistently pursues people that have hurt him. He runs after them. There's a prophet in the Bible by the name of Hosea who displays this truth more than any other in the word of God. God had a message to the children of Israel and he says to them, I'm going to allure them with my mercy. I'm going to go after them with my mercy. Hosea doesn't understand it. So God says, okay, Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. Now let me tell you about Gomer. She was not 
every Jewish mother's dream for their son. She was a prostitute. Can you imagine when Hosea brought Gomer in? <laughs> she comes in. <laughs> I'll have some matzah soup. <laughs> Gomer, I mean, Hosea's mother was like, what in the world are you doing? You're bringing disgrace to the family, Hosea. And Hosea goes, God told me to do it. Now just imagine. Gomer goes out, adulterates the marriage twice, and has two babies. And God says to Hosea, stay with her. Then she sells herself into sex slavery, and God tells Hosea, I want you to pursue her, go buy her back, and then don't have any physical relationship with her. Whoa! God, that's who you are? I can't imagine how difficult it was for Hosea. I mean, he was hurt. His wife committed adultery twice and then sells herself into sex slavery. Imagine how difficult it was for Hosea. I know you can because you've been hurt. And you might even be struggling with giving mercy. I get it. I know a woman. And the rebels came into her town. They killed her whole family. And then told her to pack up all of her family's belongings in their bedsheet, put it on her head, and carry it to their village, to their base. Just imagine taking the shoes off of your dead father, putting it in a bag, putting it in a, a bedsheet, and tying that bedsheet, and putting all of those pots, pans, everything on your head. She's walking through the jungle. They're halfway there. Overwhelmed with exhaustion and emotion of what she just experienced just a few hours ago. She falls and the pots and the pans and the shirts and the shoes, they go everywhere. Quickly, she begins to put everything inside the bag. She ties it, she puts it back on her head and she stands up with everything she's got. And the rebel had some moment of pity on her and said, you can stay and live. I'll carry the bag. She looked at that rebel boy and she said to him, my Jesus has told me when someone forces me to go one mile, I'm to go two. I will carry this bag. She showed mercy. I've never met that woman. I met the young child soldier that came to Jesus because this woman displayed mercy to him. And I know we struggle with mercy. And I can only imagine when she was standing up with these pots and pans on her head, she was thinking in her mind, you just killed my mother, my father, my husband, my children. But I want you to see a powerful truth in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says this, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He's pursuing you. doesn't matter what you've done. And are you able to pursue someone who's hurt you? That's why Jesus gives us the blessing of 
mercy. He knows that people are going to wrong you. So he blesses us with mercy so that we can be at peace with ourselves and with everyone around us. Finally, I want you to see this last attribute of God's mercy. God faithfully keeps his promise despite the faithlessness or the unworthiness of people. Let me explain what that means. God doesn't use you as his excuse to blow you up with lightning. He doesn't use when you hurt him or when the nation of Israel hurt him to change his character. Mercy defines him, not his situation nor his circumstance. Church, did you hear that? In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 1, listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel and settle them in their own land. It doesn't matter what Israel has done. I'm going to be true to myself and true to my promises. I am a merciful God. God was at peace with Israel because of his mercy. That's what makes him long-suffering is because he's merciful. That what allows him to be gracious towards us because of his mercy. Now, remember I asked you a question? Do you know I really don't care if you don't like my shirt or not? I like my shirt. I wanted to put my shirt on. You see, I'm at peace with myself because of what I wanted to do. Now keep that in mind. Because the blessing of mercy is your peace. Your peace with others and your peace with God. Choosing to hold bitterness and a grudge is only going to torture you. And let me let you know something. You'll know you're merciful when you've had obtained peace. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When you've obtained peace in your relationships, no matter what others do to you. No matter what. And I need to let you know something, church. There are going to be situations in your life that require you to give mercy. It's why Jesus blesses you with mercy. He knows that. In fact, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he says, What does the Lord require of you? To do justly and to love mercy. Now, I love my shirt. I love this shirt. So when you raised your hand and said you didn't like it, I was at peace with myself. And when I looked in my closet this morning, I said, I love that shirt. I'm going to wear that shirt. And I'm going to walk in. And when I walked in, someone said, I can't believe you wore that shirt. You know what? I kept walking with a little swagger. You know why? Because I love this shirt. And I'm at peace with myself because I love this shirt. You're like, Pastor Chet, why are you going so on and on with love? Because of this. He says to love mercy. Love means you want to wear it, not you have to. So when we put on mercy, it's not something we have to do because God told us to do it. We do it because we love it. And we know what mercy does for us. I'm going to give you a bonus verse, okay? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. I know it's a bonus verse. I'm trying to test you to see if you know where Hebrews is, okay? No, I'm not. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, okay? Find any of those books, you'll find the right one. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. If you're French, you can say Philemon, okay? Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. 
Titus Philemon, Hebrews chapter 2. Would you look at verse 17? Therefore, in all things, he, speaking of Jesus, had to be made like his brethren. So he became human, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, in other words, he was wronged, being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus came as a human. Though he knew mercy, he experienced it. And people wronged him and hurt him. But he came to give God's mercy. In fact, it's through the mercy of Jesus that we have peace with God. And he sets an example for us that when people hurt us, it's only that we have an opportunity to display the mercy of God to them. Can you go the second mile? Can you choose to give your tunic when they've already taken your cloak? Jesus displayed that mercy for you. And he's blessed us with that mercy to be able to display to others. Amen? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. So thankful for the mercy of God. And we also know that we are in need of mercy. And so we come before you right now as a church. And we're going to pray for mercy. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.